Hello everyone, it is Friday, January 18th, and welcome to episode 15 of The Magic of Storytelling. and Jonathan here with The Magic of Storytelling, where we discuss who we consider to be one of the best storytelling companies around, and that is Disney. So as usual, we're going to begin with our theme park news in the world of Disney, and then we'll move on to entertainment. All right, well, first up in the world of Disney is that Lightning McQueen's Racing Academy at Hollywood Studios will officially be opening on March 31st. Taking on the role of rookie racer McQueen, the entire audience are enveloped by a giant wraparound screen that is nearly two stories tall and stretches more than 200 feet from end to end. Friends like Tomater, Cruz Ramirez, and Lightning's pals from Radiator Springs also appear in the new attraction. So, really the big deal here is that we finally got a date as to whenever this is opening. Yep. Um, so, that's good. And... Um, It'll give something for families to do. We've been talking about the fact that uh, Hollywood Studios is pretty lean at the moment as far as what they're offering. Um, obviously, Toy Story Land helps with that, but literally until Toy Story Land opened, there was almost nothing to do. There were only like yeah. four attractions that were open. Um, so this will help. There'll be some of the same um, demographics that we're going to Toy Story Land that will be interested in this. Um, I was telling Jonathan right before we started recording that it looked like some press previews kind of got to go on it looks like the show building is pretty much ready to go um for the most part obviously they're just working out some kinks and stuff and perfecting as they are known to do yeah. um so yeah and this space is out the release is for 2019 which is hollywood studios 30th anniversary um so yeah so that's good um we'll have this not that we necessarily care about this because we're not huge cars people, but no. um, like I said, families, good stuff. Um, we'll have Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railroad probably uh, early fall sometime. Yeah. And then, of course, the big guns in December. Yes. It fills some space and adds another attraction, quote unquote. Yes. Uh, show, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I, I, it's um, one of those things where it's kind of weird to call it attraction to me because, I, you know, there is that element to it, but you're it's mainly a show. It's a show, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you are a fan of the franchise, it does give you something else to do. So That's true. There you go. All right, well, our second story here is that Disney has released a few more details about Epcot's 2019 International Flower and Garden Festival. A new Bo Peep and her sheep topiary from Disney Pixar's upcoming Toy Story 4 will greet guests at the festival's new family play zone. Featured gardens will focus on butterflies, bamboo, and Shakespeare's metaphoric plants. New outdoor kitchens will have their own herb and veggie gardens, um, which will debut this year with creative bites and beverages. And the festival, of course, will take place from March 6th to June 3rd of 2019 at Epcot and Walt Disney World. There you go. Um, admittedly, this is probably my like least... Um knowledgeable slash interest <laughs> festival 
But I feel like this is like the one that like right after food and wine, like people anticipate this one literally every year. Yeah. <laughs> um, and of course they'll do the, the, is it Eat to the Beat? Whatever it is that they call it. I think it's Eat to the Beat. Yeah, something um, like They'll have a variety of concerts throughout yeah. the entire thing. Um, one thing about Epcot is that they structure all of their um, festivals a certain way. Yeah. Um, but they are all vastly different in what they offer, um, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's it's a different crowd kind of for each one of these yeah, festivals. Yeah, it is. Um, if flowers and gardens are your thing, uh, this is your your time. I mean, personally, I want to know what Shakespeare's metaphoric plants um, are all about. Awfully interesting. I don't know what that means. I don't know either, but I want to know. Um, and the topiary stuff. It's uh, for it's Bo-Pete. apple juice. That's what it is. Oh, it's an inside joke. But yes, um, it is different day. Different day. <laughs> so we love Disney now, but we went to Very Merry back in December and. One of the stops was for chilled apple cider, and I thought, well, that sounds very interesting. We were all very excited about it. And we got our cup, and I thought, well, this is apple juice. (laughs) But it's cool. So we now refer to apple juice as chilled apple cider. Chilled apple cider. Uh, So if you ever hear us say it, you know what we're talking about. Yep, there you go. Um, But no, in all honesty, like, this sounds really good. I'm I'm more interested in this than what Jonathan is, uh, admittedly. But that is because recently I've gotten to where I don't kill everything that I grow. So. Meanwhile, I am the angel of death when yes, it comes to that's plants. that's very true. So. That's very true. I, I'm afraid to go, actually. I might just start <laughs> decimating fields of plants. Um, but no, the other thing is I feel like everybody's been talking about this topiary from Toy Story 4. Because it's really the first thing we've seen in the parks. Even acknowledging that Toy Story 4 is coming out this summer. So. Right. A small thing, but kind of a big thing in the grand scheme of things so all right and this isn't necessarily something that we're going to talk about too much but guys we have a third story and it's finally happening it's a sad day in disney history the Ghirardelli chocolate shop at disney springs has officially stopped giving out free samples at the door uh, apparently this is at all of their locations by the way it's the Ghirardelli policy not a disney policy um and i what I was reading is it might be possible to still request a sample, but they're not going to be there with the little basket at the door for you to make your little round about in the small store. Uh, well, as, as sad as it is, it's a um, sad day, a tradition of which we have partaken of uh, for a very long time. Hundreds of times um, in our life. <laughs> Ghirardelli stock price probably just went up. Um, <laughs> from all the free stuff that they were giving away. That's true. And if you're actually wanting to eat in the Ghirardelli Cafe, it may now be possible uh, to actually walk in without just having to take your sample, pretend like you're going to buy something, and then exit uh, promptly. That's true. My favorite was the people who don't even pretend anymore, right? Like there were people this past time that were just walking up, grabbing their sample and and walking away. And I thought, wow, okay. It's no pretense. Just, I'm here for this free thing. I'm here for the free chocolate, friend. It was a good run, Ghirardelli. Um, it, was a good, it was a good run. It was. So a Disney tradition dies. Uh, That's right. <laughs> all right. Well, that brings us to our entertainment section of the show, which is, of course, uh, much longer <laughs> than the theme park side of things. Um, so first up on the Resistance Rundown, all things Star Wars, is that Attractions Magazine recently revealed potential details for the upcoming ride at Galaxy's Edge, Rise of the Resistance. While we want to keep spoilers to a minimum, <laughs> the best that we can, the rumors indicate that people will load a transport ship, which we've seen in pictures, which will turn 180 degrees while screens inside show them being transported to Batuu. 
While flying, you will be captured by the First Order and taken to a Star Destroyer, which is when the main storyline will begin. Which Jonathan can fill in more details here. I have been trying to keep spoilers to a minimum for myself because I like to be surprised whenever it comes to attractions and stuff. Um, but already we've, you know, we had seen the transport ship stuff a while ago, even during um, Galactic Nights. Um, yeah, I've known about this for a long time. Yeah. Because I've been following this very in depth. Jonathan literally shows me pictures of the Millennium Falcon's progress every day. So in yes. case you wanted to know just the level of commitment we have going on here, there it is. Um, some of the people I follow on, on YouTube is re referred to this uh, circle as the Hydron Collider because that's kind of what it looked like when they were building it. Um, there's been a lot of speculation as to how it was going to work and what, what was it going to serve as a purpose. And mm -hmm. It wasn't quite big enough to be like a show, like a vehicle roundup, so people were just very confused because it's, it's a very large, uh, very heavily fortified structure. Yes. Um, so now it seems as if uh, that will indeed be the inside of the transport. Mm -hmm. uh, and as you are simulating takeoff, uh, they will actually be turning you um, around. Yeah. So kind of in the same way that Haunted Mansion would, uh, the shrinking room type scenario, that's yeah. kind of what this will be uh, in a certain way. Yes. Um, in a much cooler in way. Not that Haunted Mansion isn't um, cool, but it's Star Wars, so, you know. In a very long-standing rumor was that you were going to be disembarking vehicles and changing vehicles in this ride. And, and while technically that is actually still true, because... It's not in the way you thought it would be. Not in the way be. that you thought it would be. Yeah. Um, so you'll be... Um, uh, you know, arrested in some kind of way by the First Order, uh, taken into the brig, which will be a then another kind of pre-show area. Yeah. And then you will board your transport from there. So this is not spoiler territory, but Jonathan had read about the fact that the attraction, like the ride, will take eight minutes. Like the ride vehicles, yeah. the trackless uh, ride vehicles, all that kind of stuff. But between all of the pre-show stuff, which is technically also part of the ride, the way that they're structuring it, because it's so heavy in the storyline, it's going to take 28 minutes total to get through everything. Yeah, they're saying from the first pre-show room uh, to the end of the attraction will be 28 minutes. Eight, eight of which will be... Pretty incredible. Well, the thing is, is I, I think um, whenever you're quote-unquote captured by the First Order, uh, you're not going to want to take... Uh, you're you're going to want to take your time. Yeah. Um, seeing the inside of a Star Destroyer yeah. hangar. Um, um, Life-size AT-ATs. Like, yeah. it's going to be bonkers. Um, we know Kylo Ren's part of this attraction. Um, they've said that from the beginning, so that's yeah. not really a spoiler. Um, how you get back to Batu is kind of the interesting thing for me, um, which we're, we won't talk about. But um, So, yeah, it's all, all very interesting. Uh, I for one am I'm almost, I'm probably more excited for this than I am the Falcon, even though I am yeah. extremely excited for the Falcon. No, ride. I am too, but it's just because like the Falcon the Falcon was gonna be cool no matter what you did with it, right? Like hands down, dreams coming true for children all over the world who are now also adults. Like yeah. the Falcon is a Falcon. But um there's a predictability there, like you know you're gonna be flying the Falcon, you know you're gonna have some trouble, you're gonna have to come out of it. You know what I mean? Like Well it's more star teas star Star War, uh, Star Tours, kind of yeah, in nature, exactly. Um, but with spiritual this, successor, you know? like this is all new stuff. You really don't know what's going to happen. I mean, you do if you read the Interactive magazine. But well, I think that the 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 danger here, I think, when they initially announced this stuff was, is that they could have done some kind of high speed, you know, whatever, like Green Goods kind of approach to this, right? Which I think would have been a mistake. 
in this instance because yeah. really you want everybody to be able to ride this. Yeah. And yeah. we're not hating on Gringotts, by the way. Oh, no, the way they do Gringotts is actually perfect for the way that they do it in the movie. Right. Sure. You know what I mean? Like the theme. But it's a more it's there. a more high octane kind it of It is. Kind of you have to be a certain um, you know, height, size, all this kind of stuff to be able yeah. to read that. Read that. Um, ride that, whatever I'm saying. Anyway, I'm reading stuff. Uh <sighs> But yeah, so but this attraction, I think they're they're going for storytelling, storytelling on the maximum. Yeah. Um, really making you feel like you are physically in. They're really going the Star for Wars the immersive universe. side of things. Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the land in general. Yeah. Too, is, no. Is, is that I agree. so? I think it passes along to the attraction. Um, I for one cannot wait uh, to be arrested by the first order. Yes. John Hunter's really looking forward to so, it. Um, yes. So anyway, very exciting stuff. For sure. Yes, agreed. Um, only one more thing. All right, so one more thing under the Resistance Rundown, and that is that Star Wars Resistance has returned officially. Um, it came back on the 13th, um, so now we're back into getting new episodes every Sunday um, for the second half of the first season. Um, so the first episode back was Bebo, um, and this is a pretty low-key episode to start back on. This is a classic uh, Rebel Space Whale episode. This is, yes. uh, it's, this is a, we have a filler thing until we get to where we need to get. Yes. Um, um, so yeah, I mean, like this episode is fine, whatever. It's cute, uh, but I feel like it's kind of one of those things where this uh, mid-season trailer was really intense, and I'm ready to get there. Um, so next week, I do know that the first order is entering back into things, and by next week, I mean you know this Sunday, yeah. <laughs> um, the first order begins to make an appearance, and I think that will kind of begin to launch us into some more high octane um, episodes for Resistance. Yeah, for sure. So, like my favorite part of this episode was all of them getting out and flying. Um, I must say that is a really cool thing to watch um, on this show, always. Like yeah. the ace is going out and everything. And oh, all the animation yeah. is so beautiful and it's really cool. So, there you go. It's true. All right, well, that brings us to the superhero scoops. Let's talk all things Marvel. Um, first up is that this week, Sony released a new poster and a teaser trailer for Spider-Man Far From Home. In the trailer, we get a look at Peter Parker and his friends in Europe, a first look at Mysterio, and a nice reveal for Nick Fury. So, Jonathan, let's... Break it down. What did you think of the trailer? What are some moments that stood out for you? Yeah, I, I, I thought the trailer was great. Um, we've been hearing about it for a while. Yes. Um, the Nick Fury reveal was very nicely done. Yes. Um, it still has that kind of John Hughes kind of humor and feel, I, you know, which I think is, is, is great. Yeah. Um, Mysterio looks good, I think. Um, I'm curious uh, kind of how they're going to tie him in. Yeah. Um, obviously he's magician and all that stuff in the comics, but, uh, obviously they're kind of taking this a very different route, yeah. which they kind of, uh, yeah, but I mean, they've done this with every character. Yeah. It's not really a surprise. So, um, um, he looks very Dr. Strangish with like, he does, which I feel like is not a mistake. No. So, um, I'm, I'm curious how they weave it all together. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think the trailer was fantastic. Uh, we were talking about the fact that neither one of us put Spider-Man Far From Home for our top 10 list um, of 2019. Um, and mainly just because the marketing hadn't gotten started on it yet. And I kind of, yeah. like I knew it was coming out, but I, I just kind of forgot. And sometimes it's hard for me to get excited, really, for a movie until I see um, the first teaser or something like that. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, I think I love the tone. I love that it keeps on 
uh, continues what was started in Homecoming. I think they've as assembled just like a stellar cast for all of this. Um, all of the ones that are playing the high school students are really great uh, to me. Um, the stuff with Happy and Aunt May was killing me in the beginning. I love that so much. Yeah. So, nice, so much. Nice awkward dynamic. Um, for sure. And we have been hearing for a while that the elementals were going to be a part of this. And mm -hmm. obviously that is very true. Um, which I think was kind of a surprising move because you already knew about Mysterio and you just kind of had your own assumptions there as to what they were going to use him and how they were going to use him. Um, so bravo for kind of switching up a little bit uh, what was, I think, the assumption and expectation originally yeah. um, and what they're actually going to be doing with it. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited about this movie. Yeah, yeah. it's going to be good, I think. It's going to be a good Marvel year, guys. Captain Marvel... In game, Spider Man. Yep. And that stinger at the end is one of my favorite stingers for any trailer, uh, yeah. actually. It's very well done. Um, the way they use Flash is pretty amazing. Yeah. So, and speaking of other um, Marvel properties for the year, we have 10 new character posters for Captain Marvel, which highlight not just characters like Carol Danvers, but also Goose the Cat, Annette Benning's yet to be officially named character, and Ben Mendelsohn's character named Talos in human form. Um, also, just want to throw this in there, tracking about a $140 million opening weekend for Captain Marvel in March. So, yeah, so I mean, you know, it's a little movie. Maybe some people maybe will see it. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, um, I mean, who would want to see a female-led superhero movie? I know. I mean, that was just Not like Wonder Woman made $800 crazy million talk. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm being sarcastic. Yes, so sarcastic. To be honest, I feel like 140 is actually a little low based on pre-sales. Um, I well, like I, it's probably pretty in line because I think Civil War was really only tracking about 150. I think it'll be closer to 160. I mean, I think it'll, time. I think it'll outperform. Yeah. I think really all it needs is decent reviews, and, which I think and, it will have. And, yeah, and then, um, you know, the money will come, as I say. Yeah. No, I agree. As for the character posters, sorry guys, my throat just got really dry and ticks up. Um, as for the character posters, um, I mean, obviously there are some people in here that you knew were going to have character posters, but it made me really excited to see Annette Benning. not going to lie. Yeah. Um, I thought it was an interesting choice to do Ben Mendelsohn's character in human form, um, just because you never really know what they're going to do with that. Mm -hmm. And then the fact they ended up naming the cat goose. Yeah. I'll be honest, most you know character posters, I just don't care. It's they look fine. Yeah. Um, but I just love. I'm much more about the general. Um, I like the IMAX poster. Listen, there have been several of the posters for Captain Marvel yeah. that I've really loved, um, and it's part of it, it. They just make it look so retro, um, mm -hmm. and I feel like hers might be a poster that we might have to pick up eventually. Actually, yeah. <laughs> we do keep them from as time if, to time as on if walls. we have any other um, space to put anything. So ask. why not? Um, I feel the we're same way like about that. We're gonna have a rotating um, so poster true. display. <laughs> well, I feel the same way about um, in games like teaser poster with like the A like yeah. disintegrating. I just feel like it's such a cool. No, poster. it is very cool. Um, so well done, Marvel. Not that I'm really surprised, but hats off to you again. Yep. Well, that brings us to lights, camera, action. Our live action portion of news. Um, this is going to be the story that Jonathan is most excited about from the day, just so you know. Um, and that is that according to Deadline, The Hunchback of Notre Dame is the next animated Disney movie to be remade as development has begun to adapt a live-action musical from Victor Hugo's original novel. 
playwright David Henry Huang has been tasked to write the script for the new musical, which is simply titled Hunchback. Alan Minken and Stephen Schwartz have also signed on to write the music, with the possibility of Josh Gad playing Quasimodo. Um, and for the record, Josh Gad is also executively producing this. Yeah, uh, it's it's very interesting because um, we just heard that Pinocchio is kind of in limbo a little bit. Yeah, Pinocchio is officially and, um, lost its director. So. And, and they haven't really officially announced Little Mermaid, I don't think, yet as far as live action. I know no, there are like, we know they're working on rumblings it, but... and things, but but not like production. I mean, we know if, they're, if they've done Cinderella, uh, Beauty and the Beast, and <laughs> Aladdin. A matter then... of time. Yeah, Little Mermaid is coming. Um, but The Hunchback of Notre Dame, the, the original Disney animated film, I think is one of the most underrated. I think it has probably some of the best music of any Disney oh, film. Um, and the Broadway stuff is absolutely tremendous as well. But um, So it can't be very excited for this. My only hesitation um, is the tone of this. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how I feel about Josh Gad as Quasimodo, to be quite honest. Um, I like Josh Gad, but I feel like most of the time he's a kind of a comedic right. dude. Not always. No. But he was like in Marshall and stuff. And yeah. he did a really good job in the dramatic side of things. But that's really the only dramatic thing I can think of that he's been in. But um, He played a more dramatic character in um, Murder on the Orient Express. Like, he's not yeah. a comical character there. So, as long as he's not, like, I, I you know... The, the animated version obviously has elements of that, but overall is a pretty serious... I mean, yeah. obviously there are fun moments, of course. But, yes. But there are some dark moments whenever it is called for. Yeah, um, for sure. And so as long as that is there... Um, yeah, and he it's not an official announcement on him. Um, he's executively producing, and so there yeah. have just been There's talks just a lot about of, him. Yeah. Um, which, obviously, he's kind of a Disney darling, right? Between yeah. Frozen and... Um, gosh... Beauty and the Beast and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, he is a favorite of theirs to have come on to projects. Um, I will n- never be sad about Alan Minken coming on to write uh, music. No, not at all. <laughs> and yeah, this is actually one that I... I would, I definitely would have wanted to see a live-action version of this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just because we hadn't watched the animated version in such a long time. We watched it on Hulu a few months ago because it got put on there. We were just reminded about what a fantastic movie it is. And while, you know, while it's enjoyable for children, it really does have more mature themes in it. Mm, Um, So I'm kind of, I'm kind of glad they're going to be tapping into that. Yeah, absolutely. But like you said, tone is a concern. Um, I just hope that it is similar to the original. um, Yes. With that. Definitely. All right, well, that brings us to the art of animation. Not too much to talk about here, but we did want to cover that Disney announced that they will release The Little Mermaid again for its 30th anniversary. This 30th anniversary release will dive into the highly celebrated Walt Disney Signature Collection in February with all new bonus features and a sing-along mode. Yeah, so, you know. Which, let's just talk about the fact that Little Mermaid has some of the best music, like, consistently. Like, every single song from Little Mermaid is really... Yeah, uh, yeah, it's without um, a doubt. So, like, I'm almost 30 years old, and I think a sing-along mode on Little Mermaid sounds amazing. So, <laughs> Yes, it's basically what it'll be. It'll yeah. be a bunch of 30-year-olds uh, <laughs> sitting around their television. Yeah, basically, the Little Mermaid is the same age as me. So, yeah. like... <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, Congratulations on your 30th anniversary. Year. Yeah, it came sense. out in the year I was born, so... Uh, which, the Little Mermaid was never, like, my favorite film and Ariel is not my favorite princess or anything but I think that the music from that film is fantastic so yeah 
of course, they're going to re-release it and just make tons of money. So That's usually how it goes. Well done, Disney. Well done. All right, well, that brings us to the end of our show, which means that we have to dive into our discussion of the week. Um, so, there's a rumor going around that Marvel thought about making the standalone Black Widow movie an R-rated film. It sounds as if Marvel has steered away from this decision, but what would you think about Black Widow being the first R-rated Marvel film? Would this be a good direction for this property? You know, it's interesting. I, I feel like they've set Black Widow up to where, obviously, she has a darker past. Yeah. Right. I feel like she's still pretty... Uh, comedic she is in tone mm-hmm. especially in the earlier movies I feel like more so than probably now now well, but obviously we're in like much lots more happened, yeah. um, serious tone yeah. I don't think it would have been a bad choice people have disintegrated that kind of thing yeah. like, you know. I don't think it would have been a bad choice if they decided to do it R I think she would, it would be one of the few movies that you could probably yeah you know I don't necessarily, it's, a, it's not a deal breaker to me. Like, no. if they decide to do a PG-13, then that's fine. It'll be I, fine, I, yeah. Know, I don't need to see, um, like, blood and gore and F-bombs and... Yeah. Like, Captain... Or not I keep saying Captain. <laughs> I'm trying to blend characters here. <laughs> Black Widow. <laughs> Captain Widow, that's... Captain that's Widow. a different movie. Um, yeah, no, I... It's one of those things where I've been trying to think about this, about how I feel about it. Um, and I do think that her origin story is a lot darker um, than most of the other characters that we have in the Marvel Universe right now. Um, you know, like, she <laughs> she was trained in a very rigorous way. You know, they kind of get into some of that in Ultron a little bit. And it's a very emotional sequence where they start going back into that dream sequence stuff um, for her, you know, and kind of yeah. what she went through um, as basically like a, a teenager in early, early 20s and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that if, you know, right now we're getting the impression that they've decided to go with PG-13, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, people are wrong. You know, it could end up being that they decide to get rated R with this. Um, and I think that it could work if they decide to go that way and not necessarily like, you know, I don't think the language would be terrible or anything like that. It it would primarily just be really dark themes and violence is what it would be. Um, yeah, you know, like we made the jokes about Red Sparrow being essentially a Black Widow, you know, <laughs> origin story. Um, but I mean, to a certain extent, like there are some real uh, yeah. likenesses there. there. Sure. Yeah. Um, I think that if you could make Black Widow a better version of Red Sparrow, which I think they could do, um, you could go PG-13 or R with that, depending on what all you decided to get into. Um, but I mean, let's be Black, Black Widow's a hero in the MCU, but like she's straight up an assassin. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's a she's a deadly assassin. Yeah. Um, she has got some terrible things in her past, um, and so I I don't think it would be a bad direction for the property actually no, to get rated no, R. I don't think it would be either. Um, and I think if they wanted to flirt with that, then this would be the movie to do it. Um, Obviously, I'm sure this was in discussion more whenever, like, Logan came out and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Whenever this was still not really happening, but definitely in the pipeline. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, So, I don't know how they've dealt with all of that now. You know what I mean? Um, So, well... We'll see. It would not hurt my feelings if they did it. Obviously, it would make it a lot harder for some of these younger Marvel fans to follow it. But... I don't know. It could work for the character, though. Yeah. No, I agree. Which I think is the main 
main idea. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, does it suit the character? Like, obviously, R and R rating suited Logan very well. Yeah. Um, and it suited that character really well, who was a very tortured character. And to a certain extent, I feel like she could really go into that. So. Yeah. No, I agree. It will be interesting to see what direction they go. It will be. Well, that does it for this episode of The Magic of Storytelling. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at ATL underscore movies. Our website is aboveline.com. And you can also connect with us on our Facebook page. You can also check out our other podcast, The Shot List, which is a weekly movie news show every Tuesday evening. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at BeachJD. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram and we'll be back next week. But until then, may the magic of Disney follow you wherever you go.